Welcome to PCA One-on-One, Positive Coaching Alliance's podcast series where we talk with leading experts about how to develop better athletes, better people through sports. And now here's your host, Jim Thompson, PCA founder and CEO. So I'm really excited today to talk to uh, Coach Bob McKillop, Davidson's men's basketball coach since 1989. Bob has been a winner wherever he's coached. In high school, he won five New York State championships um, and has uh, at Davidson, longest-term tenured coach in the history of the school, 230 wins, which is a Southern Conference record, uh, seven times Southern Conference Coach of the Year, uh, 13 conference division titles, and participated in seven NCAA tournaments. Um, 95% of his lettermen graduate. Um, Davidson has now moved to the Atlantic 10, and uh, in February 2014, the basketball court at the arena at Davidson is, was named the McKillop Court. <clears throat> he has a coaching tree that goes on and on. Many of his former players <clears throat> and assistant coaches are now head coaches at the college level. Bob, it's really exciting to get a chance to talk to you. Well, thank you. It's a delight to be with you. So um, at Positive Coaching Alliance, we train coaches to be uh, what we call double goal coaches. Uh, first goal is, is trying to win on the scoreboard. Second, more important goal is to use sports to teach life lessons. And it took us 17 years to boil our mission statement down to four words, but it's better athletes, better people. That's what we want uh, sports to be. Um, t- talk about how, how that idea of a double goal coach, winning in life lessons, better athletes, better people, how does that uh, apply to you at what you do at Davidson? Uh, well, excellence is a habit. And I think the more you pursue excellence in your quest as a coach, as a teacher, as a parent, uh, the more you're going to get it. And we, we try to make that a uh, complete experience here at Davidson, uh, a quest for excellence in the classroom, a quest for excellence in the college community, and a quest for excellence on the college court. And, and that's not exclusive to just uh, making jump shots or getting defensive stops or passing for assists. It's uh, being a good teammate. It's the way you represent your program in the community. It's the way you are in the locker room. It's the way you handle your responsibilities and uh, represent the program. And uh, I'm convinced that uh, when you take care of those details, it increases your ability to become a successful player on the court. You know, uh, we had an event in Dallas recently. <clears throat> Fran Frischilla, uh was a panelist on that, uh, and he went out of his way to mention you as one of the great coaches uh, in terms of character development and life lessons for your players. Um, how do you how do you think about incorporating character into what you do? Uh, Jim, you, you must understand that uh, we have a unique student-athlete here at Davidson. Uh, our academic standards are rigorous, and as such, uh, there must be a performance level in the high school ranks that uh, warrants admission. And usually there's a pretty common uh, uh, relationship between high performance in the classroom at high school and a good, solid family environment at home. And uh, as a result, we've gotten kids who have a background uh, because of parents who have uh, raised them with uh, the right values, with the right uh, uh, commitment, with the right uh, 
sense of responsibility and accountability that uh, we are just building on a foundation that's already been structured. And uh, I think that's a, a big asset that we have here is that we're able to get those kind of young men in our program. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of college coaches, and it, I didn't realize it at the time. I thought the the parents uh, kind of drifted away at the college level, unlike in high school and youth sports. And I talked to a lot of them, and they feel that the parents are not a positive impact on their team. In fact, I, I talked to one coach who wouldn't allow her players to – she she collected her cell phones from her, her players because – as soon as the game was over, they got a call from their dad, usually their dad, maybe a mom, but uh, telling them all the bad things they did in the game. And uh, it sounds to me that you see parents as real a real um, asset rather than a problem. I, I certainly do see them as allies to our program. Um, we we travel very well, which uh, translated means uh, to away games. Many of our parents uh, join us. Uh, I would say about uh, 20% of our roster historically has been European and uh, and African. And uh, with that being said, you're getting parents who are trusting their sons into your hands but have taken that very big step of trusting their sons to leave their homeland and cross the ocean to come to go to school in an environment that's totally foreign uh, to the European and African marketplace because there isn't college athletics in, in those uh, countries. So we, we get kids who put tremendous, uh, have parents who put tremendous trust in uh, our coaching staff here at Davidson and our professors here at Davidson. And uh, we accept that trust with a great sense of responsibility. And we make it very clear from the outset that uh, we're going to treat your son as if he's one of our own sons. And I think it's that kind of attitude that we've used that has uh, endeared ourselves to the parents and allowed them to embrace our program. You know, you um, you talked about trust, and um, I believe the, the three values you focus on uh, our commitment, trust, and caring. Um, is that accurate? And why did yes. you settle on those three versus some others? Well, I, I want to footnote properly here because uh, I read a book about Notre Dame's championship football team in 1988, I believe, uh, coached by Lou Holtz. And he began that season by bringing his whole team into uh, their meeting room and asking them three very simple but pointed questions. Can you be trusted to do your best? Can you be committed to do your best? And will you care about your teammates and show that you care? And and we adopted that here at Davidson in 1992-93 season, uh, trust, commitment, care. And uh, it's become the, the, the code of honor that guides everything we do in our program. Uh, our players uh, don't just trust the coaches. They trust themselves. They trust the system. They trust each other. They can be trusted. Uh, our players are committed, committed to do their best, not the best, but their best. And then caring, uh, one thing to, to say you care, but showing you care is a big, big step in a further direction in a positive way. And, and we try to tie everything we do on the court, in the classroom, in the community uh, to trust, commitment, and care. And uh, it's a pretty darn good formula for success. You know, I've heard it said that um, there's a difference between liking someone and caring about someone, that, you know, liking is almost 
Uh, it's almost not even a decision. You like somebody or you don't, but you can decide to care about someone even if you don't necessarily like them. You know, I, I look at this uh, as a married man. Uh, I, I travel a lot because of recruiting, and uh, I'm on the road, uh, let's say, in Los Angeles or I'm in Phoenix or I'm somewhere, anywhere in the globe, and uh, I'm sitting by myself at dinner in a hotel in the evening, and uh, I, I mean, I love my wife, I care about my wife, but how can I show I care by being separate? Well, maybe I text her, or maybe I take a picture and show where I, I am and say, I wish you were with me having dinner. Uh, I think showing you care is, is so easy and, and so present for everyone to do, but it takes some time to do that. And uh, I think that little investment of time is, is a big factor in care. I, I I think I really like what you're saying about showing you care. Um, I mean, I've talked to a lot of coaches that say, "Oh, you know, my players know I care about them." Well, maybe they do, maybe they don't. How do you how do you show it? Well, you, you know, I, I've had the fortune of coaching both of my sons. Uh, they they both played for us, had very very good careers for us, were part of winning programs, and um, the lesson perhaps uh, that they taught me most was that everybody is somebody's son. And we as coaches need to understand that. Every kid on the team is somebody's son. And um, there was a hesitancy upon my part when uh, our oldest son, uh, Matt, was playing for us, a hesitancy uh, to call a last-second play for him to shoot the ball as a freshman. And uh, I was going to call a play for another classmate of his, another freshman who was a a prolific scorer. And... uh, I didn't want to call it for my son, Matt, because I didn't want to feel the pain of if he missed, what would I feel like and what would he feel like? Well, then I realized that if I called it for this other player, what would his father feel like and what would he feel like? And it was a really graphic and um, very visible way of understanding how everybody is somebody's son. Wow, that's beautiful. That's that's really lovely. Um, so, so talk about... Um, coaching your son, and, and now I think Matt is your assistant. Is that right? Correct. He's been with me for seven years now. Mm. You know, we have uh, one of the things we we share with youth coaches, if you're coaching your own kid, uh, we talk about – I got this from a, a workshop I did many years ago, and somebody mentioned it, and I just uh, took it the way you took the uh, the three values from the, the Notre Dame book, um, and that was to – have a coaching hat. So if, when you're taking your son or daughter to practice <clears throat> in the car, you're their dad. When you get out of the car, you put the coach hat on. Now I'm your coach. You need to, you need to, uh, I'm going to treat you the way I treat everybody else. You need to treat me as a coach. Can you do that? When you get back in the car, take the hat off. Um, any, any, uh, tricks or tools you use to, in coaching your own kids? Well, I, I think you need to understand that uh, being a father or being a mother is being a coach. And I don't think there's a separation from them. I don't think you need to take the hat off. If you direct all of your comments, if you direct all of your questions, if you direct all of your relationship with those three simple words of uh, trust, commitment, and care, and you coach your child that way and you raise your child that way, it, it's coincidental. And it goes back to that theory of uh, excellence is a habit, and, and the more it's repeated, you can go to any Barnes and Noble or any bookstore in America and come across 
shelf after shelf of self-help books and magic formulas and secret potions and special ingredients uh, to find happiness and success. And I think it comes down to those three simple words of trust, commitment, and care. And the more those things are repeated as father, as coach, as son, as player, uh, the more it becomes ingrained in the relationship and in the performance. Yeah, I can see where that consistency is really important. Um, I want to talk about um, the, your game in the Atlantic 10. I think it was the quarterfinals against LaSalle. And you, yeah. I think you were down by 18 points. Uh, you got a, <laughs> I had forgotten we were I had forgotten we were You got a rebound, <laughs> yeah, got a rebound with, uh, I think at this point maybe you were down 16. But anyway, you um, 15 seconds left, you get a, a defensive rebound. And you did not call a timeout. Is that an example of your trust? Yeah, that's where trust comes in. And it's a trust uh, that not only you as a coach feel with your players, your players feel with their preparation, the players feel with each other as teammates. And, uh, you know, we, we constantly want to joystick. We constantly want to control every movement. And... Uh, I, I think that uh, invites tightness, and I think that invites tension, whereas we've practiced and practiced for seven months. We've understood what this position is. We know how to handle it. Just let go and play and handle it the way you've been prepared to do it. And uh, I, I think that's a big part of coaching, to, to teach and teach and teach, and then to allow what you've been taught to take over. Yeah, wow, that's beautiful. Uh, and, of course, it worked out well because I think uh, the ball bounced around a lot, but it went in and you won. <laughs> yeah, Tyler Kalinowski made a great, great shot. And uh, uh, you look smart after a play like that. If you had not called a timeout, I'm sure the critics would have been howling. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, I, I did a, an interview with John Gordon uh, recently, the author of The Energy Bus, and um one of the things that came out of that, which really struck me, um, we're talking about toughness and how a lot of people have an idea of toughness that it's being kind of nasty, snarly, and getting angry. And and uh, he said something that I, I'm interested in your thoughts on. He said, the more connected we are, the, the tougher we are. The more connected we the, the Yeah, the more connected, well, uh, more connected a group of people are, the tougher they are. Uh, it's not easy to give up part of yourself to a greater number. And when you're connected, you've given a part of yourself to an entity, to a team, uh, to a group, uh, uh, to a corporation, to a program, to a family. And uh, th that's not an easy thing to do because it demands that you trust the giving up of self for a reason and for a bigger bigger price and uh it it takes tremendous emotional toughness to do that you look at the highlights each day as you watch tv and i'll talk just specifically basketball when do you see an espn highlight boy that was a great screen oh look at this tremendous backdoor cut boy he made that extra pass what they do show is the slam dunk or the great one-on-one -on -one move or the tremendous buzzer-beating shot, but they don't show those things that clearly demonstrate um, teamwork. And uh, m maybe because of that, 
there's not enough national applause for those kind of things. So the, the Pavlovian theory of when you you see something and it's applauded, well, you keep doing what's applauded. I I think the world is is surrendered to that process, and uh, you you just go to games, these summer games that we're involved in right now in AAU competition throughout the country, and and you just listen to the way the parents exhort their their sons during the course of the game, uh, the size of joy or the size of disappointment or uh, the outburst of anger or the outburst of joy, uh, it's remarkable how uh, a character is built through this process. And uh, it's fed almost like a a disease. And uh, it's, it's a sad revelation about competitive sports in America. Yeah, you know, um that that's that's really well said. I um when I when I give talks, I, I'll often ask a trick question. I'll say how many NBA championships does Kobe Bryant win? And you just see people trying to think it through. And of course the answer is zero. Individuals don't win NBA championships. It's a team thing. Um and we we developed a you know we have this model of the double goal coach first goal winning second more important goal to to teach life lessons um and we have an, a model for athletes called the triple impact competitor uh make yourself better your teammates better and the game better by the way you uh, the way you compete um and you know obviously you know Steph Curry I think uh fits uh fits really clearly uh, as someone who makes himself better, teammates better, and the game better. <clears throat> but um, it seems like you have a lot of players like that. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, Stefan is the one that uh, has certainly uh, drawn uh, national and international attention to our program, and, and he is one of the greatest ambassadors of what uh, our program represents in terms of trust, commitment, and care. Uh, as a freshman coming on board, um, I, I have yet to see someone being braced so much by the upperclassmen because of not so much the way he played, but for the way he carried himself, uh, for the dignity, for the poise, for the honor, for the uh, – uh, he was a great teammate, and he carried himself with the highest qualities you could want in uh, a, a teammate, uh, a player, a classmate, a son, uh, extraordinary. And uh, as, as he's been uh, caught up in this super highway of stardom, which where he has uh, now advanced to, he has never surrendered who he was or the values and principles and character that was such a part of uh, his upbringing. Because, again, this goes back to my theory about the great parents, uh, Sonia and Del Curry, uh, just magnificent parents, and raising superb children and passing them on and trusting Stefan with us and us taking that torch from them and keeping it burning brightly. And now as Steph has gone off, he's keeping that torch lit by himself by what he's doing and what he has learned and he's certainly now carrying the torch for the NBA in terms of the way you would want the model athlete to look like. You know, um you mentioned Tyler Kalinowski. Um 
you know, Steph, Steph Curry is, is amazing. And, uh, but, but I want to go back to it. It seems like you produce a lot of what we would call triple impact competitors. Um, you know, Tyler he came to us as a, a low-level Division One recruit, not highly recruited at all. Uh, we watched him play in the semifinals of the state championship in um, uh, in Kansas City, in Kansas, and um, we saw talent, we saw character, and the apple has not fallen far from the tree with Tyler as with Steph. Mom and dad, uh, uh, terrific in terms of their value system. Mom and dad, very involved but very hands-off. And uh, that balance between being emotionally involved yet emotionally um, respectful of uh, the, the concept of trusting your son into a coach's hands uh, was so evident in the way Tyler went through four years here with his parents being in almost every game. Is, I know he did not get drafted. Is he? Um, does he still have a shot at the NBA? Do you know? He just signed a contract yesterday with Chalon, which is a pro A team, first division team in um, in France. Uh, he had been with the Miami Heat and their on their summer league team in Orlando and in Las Vegas. And my sense is that they probably would have signed him, but relegated him to the D league, so it would not have been an attractive. A contract in terms of uh, financial payment, and uh, he's been uh, given a great opportunity in Chalon, France, and he signed that yesterday. That's fantastic. You know, um, the the way you play ball, um, the way your teams play ball, uh, the trust piece, uh, you know, if you're going to move the ball, it seems like ball movement is really a proxy for teamwork and trust. If you if you don't trust your teammates, you're you're not going to make that uh, instinctive, automatic pass when you see somebody about to get open, um, and it, it and it seems like the NBA is in a way is catching up to the way you've your teams have played uh, for a long time in terms of that ball movement. Um, well, uh, all I've done is copied and stolen everything we do from uh, some <laughs> of the greats in the game. So, um, but you know, you think about this, and this is what we tell our players. Uh, the ball is like a spotlight. If you hold it in your hand, yeah, the spotlight's on you, but it's going to burn you. But if you pass that spotlight around, then everyone falls underneath the spotlight, and everyone gets the spotlight, and no one gets burned. Wow, that's beautiful. That is a beautiful metaphor. Wow, thank you. Beautiful image. Um, so one of the... Um, one of the big ideas in sports, I think, is team culture. And we actually, uh, the way I think about Positive Coaching Alliance is uh, we are obsessed with uh, helping get the best out of kids, both from sports but also from life. So we're constantly looking for best practices, research results, et cetera. And um, the idea of uh, Mary Fry at the University of Kansas, the researcher who's done some work on, on team culture and how a culture where where players are respected and and valued, and where the coach, where they 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 believe the coach believes in them, uh, the players can just do just do great things, things that maybe they even didn't didn't think they could do. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the idea of team culture, and uh, are there specific things you do, rituals, beginning of season, middle season, et cetera, that help create the team culture built around your the three values: commitment, trust, and caring. 
Uh, well, one thing we do, we have banners hanging in our arena from the championships that have been won. And we make it very clear that everyone owns a piece of that banner that was on that uh. team. And, uh, you know, when the national anthem is played and you're standing up on the pedestal, uh, everyone is up on the pedestal with a gold medal around their neck uh, at the time of the Olympics. It wasn't LeBron or it wasn't Kobe or it wasn't Durant. It was all of them standing up there, all wearing the gold medal, all watching the national anthem, listening to the national anthem as the flag was hoisted. Uh, we we try to picture, give, give that graphic picture in terms of when the team wins, everyone stands on the pedestal. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, one of the things I think that uh, youth athletes, um, bothers youth athletes the most is the fear of making a mistake. And um, you have, um, in your bio, there's, uh, uh, it says, uh, one of his admonitions to players is next play. You know, don't dwell on the past, good or bad. Um, how, how do you how do you deal with mistakes to use those to build build your team and build players? Um, well, the next play concept is something that uh, was uh, I, I think made very very prominent by Mike Shishovsky uh, from Duke, uh, just an outstanding leader, and obviously. Uh, uh, a coach uh, as good as there is in any sport in the world. Uh, and Mike talked about next play, and uh, we've stolen that concept. And uh, what we try to get our players to understand is that uh, basketball is a continuity. It's, it's not one play, then you stop and you huddle and you have another play. It's It's play after play after play. And you need to live in the present. And uh, that's one of the most elusive things for players to grasp. Um, anyone can hit a shot on a uh, uh, fairway or on a green uh, that looks like a, a you know British Open winning shot. Uh, but can you do it for 72 shots uh, during the course of the, the weekend? Um, you know, that's what separates the greats. They do it every time. And if you dwell on the previous play, it now is like putting another defender on you. It is now like putting a, a yeah. distraction upon you. And, you know, uh, Nick Saban always talks about uh, distractions uh, as, as one of the things he tries to eliminate as the head coach of the University of Alabama. Well, you, you look at your own individual personal life and think about the distractions that occur just in an hour of your daily life that intrude upon or could intrude upon your own personal quest for excellence in that one-hour period. Well, the game is at a much higher speed than your daily life, and the number of distractions that can occur during the course of that one possession alone a teammate doesn't pass you the ball, a teammate fumbles one of your passes and you get credited with a turnover, um, the referee makes a bad call, uh, the opponent says something to you, the fans boo you, uh, the coach criticizes you. In, in the course of one possession, all of those things can happen and they can certainly distract you from giving your totally focused effort upon that play. 
And now as the game unfolds and it goes from play to play to play to play, distraction after distraction after distraction occurs. Bobby Knight says it's a game of mistakes. Um, and it's, it's true. There's mistakes in every play. I'd rather say it's a game of decisions. You, you make a decision to live in the present. You make a decision not to be distracted. You make a decision to be unselfish. And I, and I think that that's a big, big factor that is being missed by so many people in the competitive world of sport today. Wow. that Just the last minute or so, I took so many notes. I, I love that. Dwelling in the last play is like having another person guarding you, uh, an extra person guarding you. And um, well, that's lovely, uh, Bob. This has been fantastic. Let me just ask if you could, uh, if we could uh, close with any advice that you might have for youth coaches, high school coaches, and any advice for uh, sports parents. Yeah, the, the two greatest gifts that you have as a person, as a parent, as a coach, as a player are time and love. The more you give those gifts, the more you will enjoy your quest for excellence. Time and love. Wow. That's lovely. Bob, thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the Bay Area, a big Warriors fan. Steve Kerr is on our National Advisory Board. Steph Curry, I mean, I just um, watching him play and watching the Warriors, um, just uh, it's just been such a joy uh and i i just i want to thank you for the all the all the young men you've helped grow into better athletes and better people thank you thank you jim a pleasure to be with you thanks for joining us on this episode of pca one-on-one be sure to visit positivecoach.org to download more podcasts